What's up, everyone? We're here for post-game Locked On Bucks after Game 3, which, if you're a Bucks fan, as far as high-stress situations at a playoff game goes, this is probably the perfect scenario. The Bucks get back on track, and they needed to, and I describe this as a reassuring playoff win for the Bucks. They do it easily. They've got a 2-1 lead in the series, but we've got plenty to talk about. The defense tonight was unbelievable. We'll talk about some players stepping up on offense. And we will get to Chris Milton. And we will get to Luca Vildoza for our Argentinian friends. Don't you worry about that. So let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. hear me on this show Monday to Friday and on the weekends as we're recording now during the playoffs post game uh, and also fun my work over at ESPN alongside me the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast Frank Madden and we do thank you for listening to Locked On Bucks making it your first listen of every day or your first watch of every day if you're on uh, YouTube as well we really appreciate that uh, particularly when the Bucks have a very very comfortable playoff win and the reason why I said it was reassuring is because when you have an injury to a player like Chris Middleton and the team's been playing really poorly, let's be honest, you, I, I wasn't sure. I, I thought that there was a chance, Frank, that this would be the type of situation where not only the poor play, but the, the loss of a star player maybe jolts something in this team and refocuses them and they come out and play on a different level. We kind of saw that last year with Giannis when he went out in the Eastern Conference Finals and they played really well. Uh, and we absolutely saw this. And the defense, no doubt about it, is the story of this game. Uh, the way they were able to defend DeMar DeRozan. Uh, and really, it was a team effort. Drew Holiday, Mark Breen described him as maniacal. But I thought the entire team was maniacal the way they defended tonight. We've seen it in periods from this Bucks team, Frank. Uh, but tonight, to do it for the three quarters that it was required with no let up. Uh, it was fun to watch and reassuring if you're a Bucks fan. Yeah, I think the last two games of the season series, regular season series, we really harped on just how enormous the Bucks seemed uh-huh. to be compared to to the Bulls and how difficult it just seemed for the Bulls to do anything inside and how they really just, you know, were relying on jump shots. And obviously, you know, the, the Bulls as a team really struggled. Didn't They don't shoot many threes and they really struggled from the three-point line in the, the kind of latter stages of the season. Overall, still pretty good mark one of the you know better three-point percentages on the overall season but um not a team full of like gunners right they have a few guys you know obviously Levine is always a threat to pull up from three Kobe White can get going from three you know Vooch obviously can stretch the floor as a spot up big man but um but they have a lot of guys including obviously DeRozan who you know they they don't want to to look for the three-point shot and tonight it, it really did feel like those last two regular season games which were also blowouts including one of them in Chicago without Chris Middleton. And so, you know, we, 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 we've seen this happen before, right? We've seen the, um, I don't know if you want to call it the blueprint, but, you know, we've seen the, the Bucks go into Chicago this season without Chris Middleton and really lay the wood to the, to the Bulls. But again, I think so much of it, as you alluded to, you just, you just don't know how teams are going to react psychologically. 
And I thought it was interesting. Um, Jeff Van Gundy in when they get the start of the game was referencing how, you know, he thought actually the pressure was on Chicago and sort of the, the, maybe the tougher spot was Chicago um, coming off the win and feeling like, okay, now, now what, right? Oh, we won. We won our, that road game. We, we did what we wanted to do in the first two. Um, oh shit. Now we got to go, go win a home game. <laughs> um, and, and the bucks are missing an all-star. And so like, you know, this is served right up to us. Right. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better Wednesday night, sort of like a, you know, Giannis injury. You couldn't have really asked for much more from Wednesday night's game from a Bulls perspective, not only winning Chris Middleton out for the series, Bobby Portis, you know, having his eye almost gouged out. Um, and, and that was one of my concerns too. I was like, cause I thought immediately, like as soon as they said MCL sprain, you know, MCL sprains are always like at least two weeks. Right. Um, and then you thought, well, geez, I hope Bobby's at least back. And I, I thought, you know, I thought maybe the place to start is they got off to a great start and they did it with a lineup, which I was not expecting. I thought they'd probably put Grayson Allen into the starting five given that Grayson Allen obviously started most of the season and it felt like kind of a natural thing. So basically you end up would have, essentially it would have been like putting Wes Matthews in for Chris Middleton compared to what they did for most of the season. But instead they go with this jumbo lineup, Bobby Portis with the glasses on comes out and starts, comes out firing. Uh, We know he likes to play well in Chicago, uh, the city that he started his NBA career in. And I thought he really set the tone. Giannis was very unselfish. I thought it was a great sign that Giannis wasn't pressing. You know, like you kind of look at him like, oh, Giannis is going to have to really, you know, be Superman to win this series or, you know, do even more with Chris Milton out. And he was really patient. They didn't need a huge game from him. He passed nine assists tonight. Um, He got other guys going. And most importantly, they got a really good effort top to bottom from the eight guys that played tonight. And obviously Portis really started it. Grayson Allen was a huge part of really extending that lead later in the, I think, in the, I think he started in the late in the first quarters and maybe when he hit his first shots, but really in the second quarter, you know, he hit, he ends up hitting three threes and that was obviously a huge theme of this game. He ends up the leading scorer for the bucks, which, you know, not something I think we would have predicted pregame. So, um, you know, again, I, I, is Bobby Portis starting in Chris Middleton's absence, the recipe moving forward against the bulls, and if you can beat the Bulls, is that the recipe against, you know, the Boston Celtics or potentially the Brooklyn Nets? I don't know about that, but um, certainly tonight it was, uh, you know, came out looking like a, a, a great option. And and even with, I was amazed because I look at this, I'm just like, man, they've got like no passing. <laughs> That's basically Drew and Giannis are the only like guys that can really make a play in that starting group. But the size was just overwhelming for the Bulls. They hit a couple shots early, but for the most part, you know, never got really on track shooting the ball. And the defense was just suffocating. And again, that that felt like Bucks basketball dominating the glass, no second chances, no paint points, and no fouling either. Which, you know, again, when you talk about the recipe for how this team wins games, they may give up a lot of threes. Tonight they did not, but control the paint, control the glass, don't give up free throws. It's been a, obviously a, a recipe that worked last year during the playoffs and Hopefully it's a recipe we start to see work night in and night out again now from from here on out. 10 free throws for the Bulls. So to your point, uh, really being able to limit uh, Chicago in that aspect of the game. And I think Breen and, or Van Gaal, one of those guys uh, pointed to it as well. It wasn't anything to do with the officiating. They just literally were not getting to spots where they were going to draw contact to where that physicality was going to be there. And I do think that the answer 
And I actually, I wouldn't have picked Bobby Portis either. I wouldn't have picked Grayson Allen because I just think that uh, Bud would have gone with size and someone that he trusts a little more defensively. So I thought it was probably going to be Pat Connaughton, to be honest. I thought he might have been the guy that slipped into the starting lineup. But uh, when you watch the game, and of course, everything goes right tonight. So it's easy to say that it was perfect. But Bobby Portis does make sense because, as you pointed to, the Bulls aren't exactly... Uh, willing shooters and we even saw tonight they're down big they need to hit shots and there was a number of times where they had wide open threes they'll make an extra pass they're not a team that is eager to shoot those threes so I think the Bucks were able to close everything down defensively and they had nine points on the board through up until the 423 mark of the first quarter so and they were all threes and a couple of them were those wide open Vooch threes and it's like okay well we know the Bucks are going to let him shoot those above the break ones but then the, the first two came on DeRozan and it was when Grayson was on the floor and DeRozan just went straight at him. And it was like, out of all the guys that are on the floor, and Grayson Allen was fantastic tonight, so this isn't a knock on him. But it was the one time, really, almost for the whole night, where DeRozan was like, oh, okay, he's a guy that I can do whatever I want to. He got the bucket. Um, so that's why I think it made sense that Grayson wasn't out there with the starters. I thought it was interesting that the rotation, because this was going to be the other thing that we needed to look at. So Giannis went out at around the six-minute mark of the first quarter, and then he came back in a couple minutes later. And Portis and Lopez went off and they went to Giannis at the five. Because when you start all three guys, it's just interesting to see how they're going to mix and match that. Um, but I thought that was noteworthy. And we've seen the Bucks have some success already in this series with Giannis at the five. And if not, you're just going to try and overwhelm them with size. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the that that's the other piece of it, which surprised me a little bit because you have a three-man big rotation. And when <laughs> you start all three bigs that you want to rotate, through the four or five spots, then obviously it becomes a little harder. But the flip side is it's the playoffs. You know, you don't want to be running a long rotation, especially with, you know, your your two, number two slash three, whatever you want to put Chris Middleton at in terms of his pecking order. Um, you know, you, you obviously are going to shorten the rotation. You're going to lean on Giannis uh, and Drew more. You know, you're not going to see minutes where both those guys are sitting um, unless it's garbage time, as we saw tonight. Uh, so it, it was a little interesting, but then it ended up being not that, not that difficult actually, because, you know, basically you just knew that those guys were going to stretch out and, you know, Giannis typically rests kind of midway through the first quarter anyway. So, you know, I, I thought, I thought they were short shifting Giannis pretty well mm -hmm. in the first half. I don't know how many minutes he played in the first half, but, um, you know, Bud was not going for extended, you know, five, six minute absences from Giannis. He, he was, you know, seeing pretty, pretty short shifts on the bench. Um, and they could have extended him obviously a lot more. He ends up playing only 29 minutes and, you know, in the second half, obviously they were, um, a little bit looser with, you know, letting him sit down. I think when he got his third foul, they, they let him sit down and kind of rest a little bit, but, um, but, you know, and I think the, the important thing too was, you know, you look at obviously Grayson Allen, you love seeing those early threes go down, but also the aggression going to the basket. Yeah. And we've, we talked about this in late in the regular season, you know, the third game between these teams in the regular season, um, he didn't hit a three pointer, but in that blowout win, I think he hit like five shots and they were all like kind of going to the basket, you know, attacking the rim. And he had a, a couple of really nice attacks tonight. I mean, he loves doing that, like swooping uh, layup, which is beautiful to watch, really difficult to challenge showcases, you know, the athleticism that he obviously has. Um, and you know, he had one of those and ones on an and one in the second half, which was just really kind of, you know, one of the probably many exclamation points in this game. Tristan Thompson had his opportunity, by the way, Frank, and he didn't take it. <laughs> didn't take it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I'd say, you know, the, the, um, the insult to injury tonight, um, or insult to insult, whatever you, however you want to frame the metaphor, uh, tonight was, was Grayson Allen being the Bucks leading scorer and, and really being the guy that twisted the knife in the first half, helping the Bucks go from, you know, 10, 12 point lead to, okay, they're now like up 20. Right. I mean, it, it got back out of hand, but Bulls kind of made like a little run. I think they got to like 33, 22. And then, you know, a few minutes later, it felt like it was a 20 point lead again. And um, it just felt like it was just fighting uphill all night for the Bulls. And again, just the kind of shots they were taking and, you know, that there's calculus between, you know, behind obviously the, the types of guys that the, the Bucks are letting shoot these threes. Um, you know, it was interesting that we saw Giannis defending Caruso early on and Caruso hit one of those threes early on because Giannis was basically like, you know, back down to the foul line. It was basically begging him to shoot a straightaway three. He hit it. Um, but for the most part, obviously the Bucks sort of said like, hey, you know, Alex Caruso, Pat Williams, even Vooch to some extent, obviously. I mean, they're not, you know, daring him to shoot threes, but with Brooke on him, obviously Brooke is going to sag off and, and help. He's the, you know, the principal guy who's who's not going to try and be on the perimeter. Um, but, you know, I think the Bucks obviously throughout the course of the season series, other than the last game um, and even the last game, 12 out of 25, it's not like you're automatically going to lose a game giving up 12, 12 threes, even if it's a high percentage. I think the Bucks obviously have just sort of decided like, we're just going to take away the rat, the, the paint from you. We're going to take away the foul line from you. Um, and if you guys hit some threes, we think we can still win. And I think, I think at halftime, I want to say that it was, I don't know if it was halftime or at some point in the third quarter, but there was some point in the game where the bull, the, the bucks and bulls had taken like the same number of threes and the bucks had hit like two or three more threes, but they were up like over 20 points. And again, I, people who listen to me all the time may, may recall that I like to point this out when, you know, you look at this, I always like to look at the score line the, and the scoring differential and then back out the, the advantage from three point range and see like, okay, what was my non three point advantage? And tonight, obviously a huge advantage for the bucks, both the, they did have an advantage from the three point line, but they also had a big advantage from two. They obviously did more damage from the foul line, although they didn't get a ton of free throws, right? Only four or five from Giannis, right? It's not like bucks didn't get a great whistle or anything like that tonight, but they just did a be better job of avoiding fouls than the bulls. And so, you know, just a really comprehensive victory because yeah, you shot better than them, but you, you did, you, you know, you out, out hustled them, you outplayed them, you out rebounded them. Um, the bulls made sloppy mistakes, right? We got used to a lot of sloppiness and bad passes and, you know, just balls fumbled out of bounds uh, from the bucks in the first two games tonight that got flipped at least a little bit. Um, I don't think that was, you know, the reason that the bulls lost, um, you know, 13 turnovers, not like a horrendous number. Bucks had 10 tonight. I'd say I really like the 10 <laughs> from the Bucks, given the sloppiness we've seen from them. They looked just a lot cleaner. And I, I just felt like the Bulls just didn't have the same ball pressure intensity. They didn't make the Bucks as uncomfortable, I felt like, tonight as they have in, in the first couple games on the ball. They didn't compress sort of the, the middle of the court as much as they kind of otherwise did. And even though Giannis didn't, you know, Giannis was shooting a lot of jump shots tonight. It's not like Giannis was feasting inside or anything like that, but Bucks just got a lot of good looks, a lot of open shots. Drew Holiday got to the rim for three layups in the first quarter, which I felt really good about. 
because uh, obviously Drew has had his struggles this series. Not that this was like some huge breakout game, um, but he looked a little bit more comfortable than he did the last two games. So um, again, just, you know, it felt much more like the season series, those last two games where, again, it felt like kind of older brother just sort of, you know, stiff arming the younger brother and just not letting him really get get close to the ball, not really letting him, you know, have a chance at this game. There wasn't a lot of wasted possessions by the Bucks in this game, but uh, there is a lot of wasted dollars by myself and other locked-on Bucks fans with some of their subscriptions they got, which is why True Bill is uh, perfect for you. It's a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't want, need, or have simply forgot about. The forgot about part mostly applies to me. I sign up to things, you forget about it, you get the bill, you're just like, okay, this is not a, not an ideal situation for me. It happened with me with NFL Game Pass, which, by the way, I can't even watch the U.S. NFL Game Pass in Australia anyway, but I had it when I was in the U.S., and then next thing I'm getting charged hundreds of dollars for this thing, and I can't even watch it. It was impossible for me to get a refill, uh, refill, uh, a refund. So if I had True Bill, I would have been one of the people that, on average, save up to 720 bucks per year with True Bill. So companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. They're not reminding you about the money they're about to take from you. So that's why True Bill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Over 2 million people are using it, and uh, that's uh, approximately $100 million saved right there. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year, which is perfect, because then you're going to roll that money straight over to Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar that has ever been made. And uh, uh, Victory Built Bar, I spoke about it before. Built Bar tastes good on a, any given Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday uh, when you're just going about your business. But on a Saturday for me or a Friday night for you or a Saturday morning as you're listening to Locked On Bucks, uh, watch the replay of Game 3 with a Built Bar. You can get any flavor you want. They're healthy for you as well. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, uh, choc- uh, white chocolate cookies and cream. Uh, it's just delicious, and they're changing the flavors all the time. So you can find out at built.com what they got for you. Just use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, let's talk specifically about what they did with DeMar DeRozan. And we spoke about the fact that obviously they were trying to close down those areas, particularly around the free throw line. It's sort of long mid-range where he likes to shoot. Uh, but it was pronounced from very early in this game that they're like, we are not letting you get in rhythm either straight on, which he really hurt the Bucks in game two, or dribbling to the right side of the floor. And it makes sense. If you're a guy like DeMar DeRozan that wants to shoot this rhythm jump shot and you are and you're you are a right-hander, it's more difficult if you're dribbling to your left to pull up and shoot that jump shot. We saw it. It was almost like... It's honestly almost the way they used to defend James Harden. Not as pronounced, but they were just like, you are not getting to the middle of the floor. You're not getting to the right side of the floor. And we saw the Bulls try some different things. Uh, They would try and run some double screens at the top of the lane to see if they could create some space for him. But every single time, Wes Matthews did a great job, but Drew Holiday, some of these possessions that he had were just an absolute clinic. He would either fight over the screen, he would do a spin move and get around the guy screening and go under and be right in his grill again. He was dipping, he was diving, he was ducking. It was like a perfect example of dodgeball, Frank. Drew Holiday was superb in this game. And I, it's interesting because I was thinking about it. Even when he was going under some of those screens, if it was someone, I, I can't really think of the player, like like say Jason Tatum or whatever, he might pull up for those threes. And that is the difference with 
DeMar DeRozan, you can really bank on the fact that he's not going to pull up for that three-point shot, which does make it a little bit easier to go under and recover. So I just thought it was a clinic tonight. For DeRozan to only attempt nine shots, I mean, that's incredible. That is that is a perfect defensive performance from the Bucs. We'll see if they can continue it. But all the comfort that he had in game two was completely gone in this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm going to go back and do, like rewatch. I just want to rewatch like his touches, basically, to just sort yeah. of see kind of what he was doing a little differently because we know he doesn't need much space, right? That's I mean, right. so I, I think they did. It did seem like they were trying to make him go left. I mean, some guys like going to their left. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm not an NBA player. I actually always liked going to my left. Um, for me, go. it always felt a little more natural to do that. I mean, Giannis always if he's pulling up, you know, he always likes to have the ball dribbling with his left hand, pulling up, you know, to his left. Although he's, well, I always thought you remind, if I would pictured you in my head, I always thought you used to remind me of Giannis. So that makes sense that you and Giannis. I, yeah. I probably shoot tendency. more like, more like Giannis, you know, but <laughs> I take it back. Um, yeah. Well, and I, we should note there, if people didn't see, you know, Giannis in practice hit like 15 straight threes the other day, right. Which is sort <laughs> of right. underscores. Yes. These guys, you know, most of these guys are just like, they practice so much. They hone their craft. It's hard to translate that into game action with live NBA defenses, but, you know, put them in an open gym, just shooting rhythm jumpers. Like, you know, even Giannis, a quote unquote bad three point shooter can just rain threes. Right. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I just thought it was, it was just a, a matter of them just kind of really having the right balance of, you know, how high Brooke was playing. Um, you know, it's not like Brooke Lopez is sitting at the top of the restricted area on these, right? I mean, that's that's maybe like the, obviously it's hard with Vooch because he is a threat to shoot the three. Um, but you also, it's not like you want to hang way back on DeMar anyway, because, you know, if you let him get into like a short runner, like he's obviously great at that shot. So um, in some ways, you know, it's you might as well have to play high, pretty high on those screens anyway, maybe a little higher than Brooke might otherwise want to play, um, just to keep some pressure on uh, on on Vooch. And obviously, you know, the game they got a little early lead, so they never really had to do a bunch of different stuff, right? It's not like they had to go to like you know, like we saw in the fourth quarter the other night, like blitzing Demar to get the ball out of his hands. Um, they didn't have to go to like you know, switching to try to cut off Vooch from you know him getting you know, good looks, um, because again, as much, as much as you hit a couple, um, you know, it never, it never was at the point where it was really hurting you. Um, and, uh, you know, Kane, um, if you had asked Mike Budenholzer tonight about giving up jump shots to, to Nick Vucevic, Ooh. I think he would have probably, what did he say to you when you asked him about that a couple of years back? Well, I, I, the unfortunate thing is I used the word uh, torching, which you know perhaps is a little aggressive in a press conference, and he just like stared at me for a while and then said, I don't know if I'd use that terminology, Kane. And then uh, I said, okay, fair enough. And then he basically moved on to the next question. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you gonna do? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought, fortunately, it, it, you know, they were able to kind of balance things pretty well. And, um, you know, I think, again, with going with that really big lineup, um, I think it helps you against DeRozan because, again, a really big lineup against a team that wants to just shoot threes and and play that way, I think hurts. You know, I don't know that you can play that way, but um, against a Bulls team that isn't really, you know, I think I think Levine a couple times tonight. I mean, Levine hit some threes. I think him in the high pick and roll, he's a guy I think you worry a bit more with Brook um, in pick and roll coverage that. You know he can he can get good looks at threes. It happened a couple times tonight, but 
but again, not to the point that, um, that it ever really bothered you. And, um, yeah, I mean, it just, it just felt like the bulls just never got into much of a rhythm and, um, uh, the, the, obviously just the three point struggles that we've seen that from them in pretty much, I don't know, seemingly every game against the bulls this year, other than, than game two. So, I mean, you can't rely on them shooting 25% from three every game, but to some extent, again, if you're going to take a, take everything else away, um, you know, if the bulls hit three, four more threes tonight, I mean, it doesn't matter. Right. I mean, they, they still would have lost by, by a ton and, um, it was interesting in the, the fourth quarter in garbage time, the Bulls got a couple of offensive rebounds. And I, I actually looked at my phone. I was like, have they gotten an offensive rebound yet? Like it, it just felt like for all the misses they had, like every miss, it just felt like the Bucks with that size, they were cleaning everything up. Even with the three point misses, you know, we, we saw it obviously the other night, just some long rebounds, hustle plays that the Bulls just, you know, beating the Bucks to kind of those loose balls, 50, 50 balls. Um, really hurt the Bucks in the fourth quarter. And tonight, you know, it just felt like everything was getting hauled down by the Bucks. And, um, you know, they end up with a 90% defensive rebound rate. Again, take that every day, right? I think, uh, you know, we, we talked about that a couple times. I think that one or two games there at the end of the season where the Bucks had something like a 90% rebound rate. And, you know, tonight, 30 paint points allowed. Just really hard to win an NBA game when, um, when again, you don't, hurt the other team at all around the basket, either by rebounding or, or by scoring. And when you're not hitting threes, it's just, you know, I mean, 81 points, right? 81 points tonight. Yeah. 81 points in an NBA game in the year 2022. It's not a lot of points. No. And it felt, it didn't, it felt different to the game one scenario as well, where there was missed shots, but it looked like the bulls at least threatened in this game. They didn't threaten at all when the, I think they were on, it took until about the five-minute mark of the third quarter for them to cross uh, 50 points, which is just absolutely unheard of uh, in the modern game. You mentioned Bobby Portis and the eye injury. Uh, he had the goggles on tonight, which, by the way, just adds to a, a real badass look that he's got going on with a headband. He's got the undershirt. He's got the goggles. He's still out there looking crazy. Bobby Portis. Wait, wait, wait. Are you are you saying undershirt is part of a badass look? I, I was going to say, man, for I him, don't know why, why Bobby – why does Bobby Portis need an undershirt, man? He's – He's a he's he's not like some wimpy guy, right? Like it's not yeah. like he's like skinny like John Henson. He's got to hide hide that that thin upper torso. Come on, Bobby, flex on us a little bit, you know? Like we're that's fine, you know. I mean, heck, he he, he earned like Kareem goggles tonight. We I was I was texting with my friend Carly, who one of my high school friends. Um, she texted me. She was like, "Oh man, I was expecting to see Bobby wearing you know the Horace Grant glasses tonight." Which you know we didn't quite see that, but um, I mean the way he, the way he was playing early, it's like give him the Kareem goggles. Um, he uh, you know you always worry about the adjustment when a guy has something on his face, either a mask if he's got a broken nose or you know glasses, and you could see. I mean he had blood in his eye still from that shot the other night. So the fact that he came out burying threes was obviously just a, an awesome sight to see, um, and obviously it was a big part about putting putting the bucks uh, the Bulls on the back foot early. I wonder if he's like LeBron and he was seeing three rims out there. But if you're Bobby Portis and you're a tough guy, I, I think you can pull off the undershirt. If I'm wearing an undershirt, I look like a little white nerd. So I can't pull that off, but Bobby Portis can. And the, the, the reason I was looking at him with such curiosity tonight, because I was wondering if those goggles that he was wearing were a pair of Shady Rays, which uh, a fantastic <laughs> sponsor of the podcast, by the way. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses, 
for a fraction of the price. So if you want to look like Bobby Portis, then you should check out Shady Rays. They've got polarized lenses, well-constructed, durable frames, and premium high-end finishes. Also, something you won't find anywhere else is Shady Rays Insane Protection Program. So if you're playing basketball, you cop an elbow like Bobby Portis, but you got the goggles on and they break, Shady Rays will replace them with their lost and broken protection on every single pair. They'll send you a brand new pair for the next time you're out there on the court. So uh, head to ShadyRays.com. Use the code locked on to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's code locked on for the best deal of the season. 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses. And uh, Shady Rays is backed by over 150,000 verified five star reviews. So the Bulls, and now that the Bucks have done this, it's time to consolidate with an afternoon game. Uh, which always makes me a little bit nervous when you're the Bucks. By the way, 3 a.m. Monday morning tip for me, which I gotta tell you, I'm not thrilled about, Frank. I will say that. But for the Bucks, they consolidate. If they can pick up this game, play the same level of defense, they head home 3 1 and in a good scenario. But the one thing that we haven't really discussed in depth is the Chris Middleton situation. And it was interesting. I, I think it was you that was mentioning this in the in the DM, in the group thread, which that we've got with Eric and, and Mitchell, which makes perfect sense is that you're like, I wonder if this could be a nine-game series. Now, the, now the theory is, and I think if you're a Bucks fan right now, you hope, and we'll see. Look, you don't want to give the Bulls hope again. They're going to be a pesky team. I expect they'll play much better in game four. There's no doubt about that. But you want the Bucks to clean up this series as soon as possible, but you want Brooklyn and Boston to be a seven-game absolute battle. Bloodbath. Exactly right. Exactly Everybody right. bleeding from their eyes. That's like right. <laughs> Every single player on the floor has goggles on by game seven, by overtime at game seven of that series. And obviously, I mean, the everybody's reason, in the Paul Pierce wheelchair, you know. That's just... right. Look, the reason for that is because we want to give Chris Milton as much time as possible. Now, he spoke uh, pregame and he said, look, he's hopeful that in the two week period he'll be back playing. Who knows? That might be a little bit optimistic. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. I wouldn't expect the Bucs are going to be giving out a lot of information or a lot of feedback about this. But this has been a trend for the playoffs to start here with a number of key players across the league being injured. Devin Booker, obviously, with the hamstring. I think Kyle Lowry hurt his hamstring tonight for Miami, and they might find themselves in a series now as well. Uh, there's a bunch of other guys that are hurt. So, look, this is always the most difficult part about the postseason. That's why a win like tonight is nice. It just largely bruise-free. Get through the game. You hope no one gets hurt uh, because the series can tilt with one injury. But look, this this is definitely a blow. And when after game two, I was thinking to myself, goodness, I, I hope the Bucks are still alive when Chris Middleton is able to come back to the court. Yeah, I mean, you know, two weeks at best, right? Two weeks right. is absolute best case scenario. Um, that is a huge blow to the Bucks championship um aspirations and again we can say like well they should still win this first round series and you know i think at the end of the day you still have Giannis, right you still have i think on paper the better team and now you're up 2-1 and you've reclaimed home court right i think after last game you know i mean again i was saying i, I mean i had this feeling like man you know like the way the bucks played these first two games right i mean we're used we kind of were expecting it in the first game but the fact that they didn't kind of snap out of it and mm -hmm. bring a 
you know, professional championship caliber team effort to game two and just, again, just didn't look like they had really learned anything from, from game one. Um, I mean, the offense was a lot better in game two for both teams. Um, but that, to me, that was, you know, way more worrying than, um, let me rank it. The most worrying thing about game two, losing Chris Middleton, the second most worrying thing, the fact that you did that after you played really poorly in game one, which should have been the wake up call. And then, Three, just the fact that you've lost the game, right? Which, again, you know, I, I think both of us were like, I don't think both of us are the types to like predict series sweeps anyway. Um, but certainly I think everybody had to be feeling like the Middleton injury um, definitely shifted the odds, right, in this series. It gives the Bulls a, a huge potential boost. It definitely removes the margin of error for the Bucs. Um, you know, and and again, especially with Drew Holiday and the way he had been looking in those first two games. And I don't think he completely shook that, <laughs> shook that off tonight. Um, you know, he was definitely better and defensively he's been great, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think you, you absolutely had to be concerned after game two because it obviously shifts the odds in this series. And certainly now up to one, you obviously still have to like your odds of coming away from this series, um, you know, regardless of how many games it takes, but man, uh, you know, the latest this series can end is is May first. That's the same day as game a potential game seven for both Boston, Brooklyn, as well as Bucks Bulls. Um, as you said, the ideal scenario is you know the Bucks just mow them down the next two games, and then you can rest, and that other series goes seven games, and then you get more time off. But you know you just kind of do the math. Best case scenario, you know one or both of these series gets pushed to uh, to seven games. And the Bucks come out of it uh, May first. That series ends, and then it's at least a couple days off, right? Say it's May third um, that you get Game One of that next series. Um, you know, what was it? April twenty first was the, or sorry, April twenty. What was it? April twentieth was the uh, was the Wednesday game. So at that point, you're pretty much like thirteen days from out from the original injury. So you're not even two weeks at game one. So you're definitely missing the start of the second round at that point. And again, you know, with the way this is like, it's reevaluated in two weeks. It's not go play a basketball game in two yeah. weeks. And so, you know, I think you'd have to say like best case scenario, he misses the first two games of the next series. And that that's, that just really adds again, it's one thing to add degree of difficulty against the Bulls, you know, no, no disrespect to the Bulls, but I think everyone would say, including Bulls fans, that the the Celtics and Nets are scarier teams than the Bulls. And so, you know, the, the specter of having to start that series without Chris Middleton is what I think, you know, from a title perspective is what's really scary and why absolutely the Bucks title chances have taken a, a you know, a substantive ding and, you know, again, you can kind of put it out of sight, out of mind, because right now you just got to win this series and you still have reason for optimism that you can win, that you can and will win this series. Um, but it's a huge deal. And even when he does come back, right, is he going to be slowed? Um, how is coming back from that knee injury going to impact what we see from Chris Milton on the court? Um, you know, it's a huge deal. And I, I think, I don't know. I mean, I, I always, I, th I think people sometimes like, get a little carried away feeling like, okay, the Bucks should be the favorites in the East. Um, 
And it's like, well, yeah, but they can be the favorites in the East. And that doesn't mean that they're like a 70% likely to come out of the East, right? Um, especially this year, I think whoever the East favorite is, it's a plurality, not a majority type situation, right? Like maybe the best team in the East has a 30, 35% chance, 40% maybe chance of coming out of the East, but it's still hard. You still have to stay healthy. You still have to beat three teams to come out of the East. And those teams, especially those last two rounds are going to be good. Right. Um, so it's, it's just really hard. And then you got to go beat whoever comes out of the West, um, which should also be a great team. And we know the Bucks can do it because we saw them do it. But to me, I, I just think you have to be realistic about what are the odds. I think any of the, even the best teams, uh, the best teams in the East, you know, they have a 20% chance of winning an NBA championship, maybe something on that order. And so, again, there is nothing that you can take for granted. There's nothing definitive, even if you're healthy, um, because the playoffs, as we've seen, they are a battle of attrition. Weird stuff happens. Series of small sample sizes, trademark Frank Madden, you know what I always say. Um, so on the one hand, you can't worry about the second round right now. But yeah, if you want to zoom out and, you know, think about the Bucks odds of, you know, having another parade and, you know, planning your planning your travel for the conference finals. I mean, you have to have a little bit more pause about that for sure. Now that, you know, we're obviously sitting here uh, waiting for, to, to see when Chris comes back. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to brief chat about Chris Milton, not to bring a, put a wet blanket all over the Bucks uh, championship uh, hopes here, Frank, but look, it's, it's nice to keep it realistic, but what we're going to do is my wet blanket. But what, what we're going to do is we're going to bring the mood right back up quickly. About Luca Vildoza, who came on, and the one thing, <laughs> the one thing that I like about Mike Breen, and he is, this is why he's a pro, this is why he's one of the absolute best in the business, is because no matter what scenario is coming up in the game, he is prepared. He had a, a prepared spiel about Luca Vildoza when he came on, and the point that they made was exactly right. First NBA game in a playoff game is so cool, and he made his first basket. He hit a three, but what he did do is dish up some sensational passes for assists. He had the one hand, which was, a, I think, a bad sort of flip pass from Tanassus. Vildoza, one hand, like midair, bounced past the Wara for the dunk. And then the other one in transition, the Bucks social media put up the dunk for Tanassus. And I don't want to take away from Tanassus. It was a fine dunk, but we've seen it before. But what set up and the highlight of the play was the behind-the-back dish at speed in transition. This man is showtime. I was I was pumped for him. Honestly, I, like I was obviously in a good mood. The Bucks were playing well, but to see him come out and get his first minutes and have some serious highlights, it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, I was I was bummed that we didn't get to see him in the last couple of regular yeah. season games, right? Because he, you know, he does have this reputation. I mean, I've I've never seen him play live before, um, but you know, I've read the scouting reports. You've watched some highlights, right? You know that he brings some flair. Um, and certainly to, to kind of watch him go out there and in a low pressure environment, be able to throw a couple of exclamation point passes, um, obviously just sort of added to the night. And, um, you know, it's sort of funny cause there've been, let's just say, especially, I feel like, especially last year where the bucks were really thin in the backcourt, um, you know, garbage time bucks were not always very fun. It was like, you know, Pat Connaughton yeah, or the yeah. is playing point guard or something like that. And it's just like, uh. I mean, it's just hard. It's hard for these guys to, to do anything. Um, so you throw a guy like Luca Vildoza out there who's, you know, got that more of that floor general dishing, making other guys better type thing. 
um, definitely amps up the enjoyability factor <laughs> for uh, for garbage time. So, you know, hopefully we will see a lot more Luca Vildoza garbage time, um, the NASA's dunking, yeah. bench going wild type moments uh, in this series because it means that the Bucks are doing very well. Um, but uh, but yeah, that was definitely a, a fun footnote on a, a obviously a historic ass kicking in Chicago. I think this was uh, we saw here. This was the the biggest Bulls home loss in playoff history. They're um, getting booed. In the yeah, first playoff yeah. game in 1,200 days or whatever it is, and they're getting booed. Well, that was a funny. I mean, we talked about it the other day. Like, I I feel like I would think that Chicago could be a great atmosphere for a playoff game. They're obviously really hungry to be back in this position, right? Fans are obviously, you know, I've been waiting for, for this type of opportunity. Um, but that's why, I mean, it, it, obviously you have to give the Bucks a ton of credit because they kind of put the took the fans out of it from the opening tip and – you know, I said it about the regular season games, like other than the, like the third quarter run in the first Chicago home game that we saw this year when the Bulls went on a really nice run and took a lead. Um, it's been hard to kind of really like see the crowd really playing much of a role in these games. And tonight, obviously, you know, the Bucks just kind of stomping the Bulls from, from the outset. Grayson Allen, you know, just going off, which was so welcome given that he was a total zero in the first two games. Um, obviously again, you, he's a guy who has, is no, no stranger to hostile environments. You know, you, when you're, whenever you're the like best white guy on a Duke team, like you, you have to be ready to play in uh, opposing gyms that are going to be, you know, not fans of you. Um, and with him and, and the Chicago crowd, obviously in the history with, with Caruso, obviously that was doubly so, but um, you know, and he had the block on Patrick Williams, who was horrendous tonight. Oh, for nine. Um, he just, it's kind of crazy to see that. I mean, he's a, a really nice defensive tools, but man, like sometimes you just watch him offensively, like the way he shoots jump shots is like, this guy was like, what the fourth overall pick in a draft. Like, it's just kind of wild. Like he just looks so uncomfortable for the most part, offensively from what I've seen. And I, I know his numbers suggest he's better. He's shot three much better. Um, over the course of his career, and then certainly we've seen in this series, but he doesn't look like a guy <laughs> who shoots a good percentage. I'm, let's just say he's not taking high degree of difficulty three pointers, or at least if he's making them. But um, but yeah, Grace Allen, obviously, uh, you couldn't have written a, a better script for him tonight. Maybe he didn't have a dunk on Tristan Thompson, but he'll settle for that scooping scoop shot. And um, the fact that that obviously set the table for uh for the Luca Vildoza debut was uh, was fun and um we'll see I'm 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 giving it well I don't I haven't checked Twitter in a while but um I don't I'm I'm sure there are people already saying like oh man can we get Luca Vildoza out on the floor with Giannis running pick and rolls like oh man Giannis is going to get so many alley oops if we can just get Luca Vildoza out there it's like okay it's calmed down a little bit but next um, season yeah but hey Mike, Mike Breen he, you know Luca Vildoza was on the Knicks before they released him in the preseason last year, right? Um, because of a, an injury. So that's probably why Breen had some familiarity with him because Breen obviously is the, the Knicks, uh, the Knicks commentator. And and so he probably at least had some familiarity with Luca, certainly more than I did. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that was a fun introduction for him. And um, we, we finally got our, our Luca Vildoza debut and um, it, it certainly lived up to expectations. And hope we'll see more of it. By the way, the Thanasis dunk, was it, I think it was Pat Williams just fouled the shit out of him. Like it was one of those, you know, like 
grabs his forearm practically. Strong finish. Type Strong of finish. Foul I didn't. Make, and, I didn't. I didn't want to actually detract. I mean, it was a very cool dunk. Yeah, I mean, his props. Once again, Kane Pittman just total Thanasis disrespect over here. I love um, the Greek love fans it. are just going to be just all over you in the <laughs> in the comments. But um, but uh, but yeah, that was a fun exclamation point. By the way, Jordan War. I feel like Jordan War's shot now like gets gets like four inches above the rim when he shoots jump shots. Like what, he was shooting the flattest shot in the history of the earth tonight in garbage time, and I don't care one bit. It's fine. We don't we don't have to worry. Um, and by the way, shout Javon Carter, part of that eight man rotation, obviously. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think he even hit a shot tonight. I don't even know if he took a shot tonight. But again, really impressed with his defense. He was guarding Zach Levine at times, which again you worry about how Javon's going to be able to guard up against taller players. I thought he hung with Zach Levine. I thought he hung, you know, again with whoever the the Bulls had out there um, that he had to guard on the perimeter. And again, just kind of one through eight with the regular rotation guys that played tonight. Pretty much everybody played their role. Carter and Wes Matthews defended really well, didn't really take any shots, and pretty much everybody else contributed as a scorer. Um, Pat Connaughton saw a couple shots go down too, which was nice. And Kane, we have to point out, Pat got one of his patented drive right, flip the ball way up off the backboard with his right hand as he like falls to the baseline on the right side. He got that to go down. So he's got that shot back. So that was good to see. Just want to see... Pat Connaughton and his bionic hand heating up again here after a, a pretty anonymous first couple of games. So, so yeah, good to see the Bucks kind of, you know, kind of get right a little bit. And, um, you know, so often when these blowouts, your best player actually doesn't end up having a huge game and they really didn't need Giannis to really try to dominate or really try to look for a shot. A lot of times, obviously he has to do that in second halves when, you know, the pressure's on and they really need him to go after it. And you could just tell tonight, you know, I think he had eight points in the third quarter. Didn't have to do anything in the fourth quarter. Got to the bench early, 29 minutes. You know, normally I'm all about Giannis stats, but in the playoffs, hey, if you can bank a 30-point win and get Giannis, you know, 20 minutes of rest on the bench, that is absolutely my my uh, a happy place for me. Um, and so uh, I think we're going to need to see peak Giannis, <laughs> you know, attacking Giannis, downhill Giannis. Um, uh, more throughout the rest of this series to, to close the Bulls out, but a very confident performance from this Bucks team tonight. Great to see Giannis not pressing confidence teammates and his teammates coming through and showing why, you know, this is a championship team, not just uh, an MVP guy surrounded by a bunch of dudes, which um, a couple times in game two, it, it felt like it was Giannis and a bunch of dudes. Let's be honest. Um, tonight, it felt like really like a team effort. And obviously we saw it on the scoreboard. Javon Carter, 18 minutes, four assists, zero turnovers, had a steal, didn't attempt a shot. So, yeah, I mean, I thought he was, uh, even though the, obviously the box score looks modest, I thought he had an impact uh, on the game. We've gone way over time, so let's wrap it up. It's uh, To me, it's the absolute perfect weather in Melbourne right now. 64 degrees, sunshine, and I've got two hours before I have to get to work. So I have to edit this podcast and get the hell outside for about an hour before I have to go to work. So that's it. This is all over. We'll be back. Uh, post game uh, for uh, game four, uh, like I said, I don't know. We'll have to work out timing, Frank. I don't know if you want a podcast at 5.30 a.m. Uh, my time on Monday morning, but but we will figure it out. There will be a post game pod. 
Uh, if you don't, if you're new to I'm the in, show, I'm I'm in I'm I'm going to be visiting my in-laws at the time, so um, well, yeah, yeah we'll on. have to figure that. It may have to be a late late later evening pot for you, so I will I will not be. It won't be breakfast with Frank um, podcast on on Sunday for you for Monday for you, Kane. Um, yeah. So you know, hopefully we'll have something to celebrate Sunday night. Um, sure. We'll see. All right. Well, we'll have a podcast at some point, a post game podcast. Yes. So we'll leave it there for myself for Frank. Have a great weekend. Uh, and enjoy the game on Sunday.